Welcome to the Two Medics podcast. My name is Dushi Gunawardner. I'm a cardiology registrar subspecializing in coronary intervention. And hello, my name's Beth and John, and I'm a GP trainee, ex neurosurgery trainee, and even in this new year of 2024, still specializing in everything and nothing. Do you think that's going to change? You make it sound like never. That's, yeah, I never am change. the what's it? The jack of all trades, but master of none. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> But I think that means you have more utility, doesn't it? Like, yeah, it does, and it sounds a bit like cavalier, which I'll go with. But yeah, man, variety, as they say, is the spice of life. And yes, GP doesn't fail to deliver on that, my friend. <laughs> like the stories yeah, I, I can know, tell just, you from this day alone, as we've had a bit yeah. of a discussion beforehand. But let me say yeah. no more at this point in time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, fair enough, fair enough. Yeah. To be one day, one yeah. day to be seen. So happy New Year, twenty twenty four. Yes. And it's mad, isn't it? We meant to feel different. I always think I have such a love-hate thing with New Year and resolutions and stuff. I don't really celebrate that people go out for New Year's Eve. And it seems to be more of a thing now that people like to like chill at home. And since having dogs, like it's not an option mm. to go out. But I, yeah. I quite like that. Yeah. yeah. And I don't know. And I just, there seems like a lot of pressure to like reinvent yourself or something's going to be different because it's a new year. But for me, like, I think I like, I just need to think of it as like just another day. But like yeah. it's strange because you write the date and you still write 2023 because it just takes so long to yeah, get it into your psyche doesn't it but um, yeah, it's true yeah yeah happy new year happy new year well, i think the thing is i do find i do feel a little bit different but i don't know if that's because it's a bit lighter outside and if you it is you know noticeably is? i feel different as in i'm a lot more heavier so I, I put on a pair of trousers that i last wore before christmas today and i was like they actually hurt <laughs> they were that tight yeah. And God. then I just thought, what, could, what can you do? Yeah. If the button pops off, what I think I can do about it? <laughs> Everyone take yeah, cover, yeah. but yeah. I hate that sensation. You feel just so yeah. bloated and it just cuts yeah. in at the wrong place, doesn't it? But then I think, oh, how lucky am I to have proper overindulged over Christmas? Yeah, do you know what exactly. I mean? And I enjoy, we were all, it was just me and my parents. I say we were all, it was just the three of us and the two dogs. But the three humans, we were all sick with whatever lurgies going around at the minute. And uh, there's just so much Christmas food, like wasted. Every time I opened the fridge and there was just like more cheese, I was like, oh no, like I've never felt <laughs> this way about cheese before, but nothing was like sitting in my belly right. Oh no. And so That's I don't so know sad. how I've put on weight, but then I, but obviously like I've made up for lost time. So <laughs> That's the thing, isn't it? Because leading up to it, I definitely go a bit nuts just buying yeah. loads of things. Like, I, think, I think I bought maybe like five or six boxes of after eights i don't even really like them i bought so many and then I, like christmas day came and went and i still have four boxes left yeah like, we? we had yeah. surplus oh, after eights but also matchsticks which i hate and oh, um really? yeah. and then my dad was like but you it's christmas like you have to get them and uh, i made i had this whole cabinet full of christmas booze and christmas food and my mum was like who's joining us and i was like girl this is just for the three of us like you need to start <laughs> now <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah i think it was a bit overwhelming bless her but and i think I could have saved a lot of money and maybe, I was going to say, next year I'll be a bit more like savvy, but famous last words. Happens, it doesn't yeah, happen it over Christmas. ever happens. Just get no way. In. I definitely went nuts with the after eight and mince <laughs> pies. Oh my so God, funny. mince pies. The mince pie situation was out of control. Oh, and I think because you also, there's like trauma from previous Christmases where either you didn't buy an ingredient. That's it. Or there wasn't enough of something. Stuff. Yeah. 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 I definitely have had that issue. Mince pies were an issue at some like point. in Christmas's past. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so that was obviously like haunting me. And mm. But then it got to a point where like on Boxing Day, I was like, I need to eat. It was like, I can't be eating these in the new year. Yeah. Can't be eating. And so I'll be yeah. like four in a row and then be like, oh, because I got double cream and custard. And you, you know, try them both. Are, yeah. Like, both. Yeah, literally. Like, oh my God. I've got fresh custard in the fridge and I've got a feeling that it's out of date, which is just killing me inside. No. Because it's like the extra special vanilla stuff. And oh, the Madagascar. Oh, that's exactly like, oh, the one. And yeah. I can't believe that I've not touched it. And I love custard. As you, you haven't you. even touched it. No, oh. it's, so my hope is that because it, it's completely sealed still and it's a week out of date, maybe it might be okay. I'll give it, I'll do the old, uh, I'll do the old sniff test, but I'm not so good mate, at that. You've literally just got I've just had Nora. Oh, that's yeah. not worth it. It's <laughs> not worth it. Can you imagine? It was just like, but sorry. it was the custard. Just let I it know, go. maybe admit defeat and just treat myself to a new one. I think it's probably wise. Um, so, I mean, I think 
even though it's now almost a week since New Year, so oh, meeting on the 5th of January, you did have some interesting tweets that you linked that we probably should mention, but perhaps before we do that, shout out our sponsors. So at scrubs underscore UK. So that's spelled S-C-R-B-S underscore UK. And that's because they put you in scrubs. So they make comfortable, practical, really quite affordable and good looking scrubs that are suitable for all kinds of people who work in the clinical settings so dentists, doctors, nurses, allied health professionals, vets, you name it. They're so good. They're pockets everywhere, really comfortable. And if you use our promo code, which is 2medics10, T-W-O-M-E-D-I-C-S and the number 10, you can get 10% off. And with this time of year, you might be having to go up a size. It's a, <laughs> use that promo code yeah. and check them out and buy yourself some comfort because yeah. I have to tell you. Um, a nice elasticated waist is what we all yeah, deserve. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Do it. Treat yourself. But then we're talking about some like New Year festive tweets. I realized that I think the last time we spoke was a couple of weeks ago before Christmas. Uh, and so then when adding tweets, uh, there was obviously like a, a bit of a Christmas like, collection. But there was this one that I wanted to mention. And this was actually written on Christmas Day. And I just thought it was hilarious. And it's completely gone viral now with 84,000 likes. But this was uh, by a lady called Emma Shevchak. And she said... That she had to tell her son that Santa isn't real in the middle of the night because he was hysterical about a strange man coming into the house. But she made him promise not to tell his younger sister that he doesn't exist. So instead, he just told her that Santa's dead, which is like quite a big disconnect yeah. there, isn't it? He doesn't exist. He does exist, but he's just dead. So it's fine. Don't worry. <laughs> it's, he's, it's fine. That's, how do you think he died? If you had to, because I feel like my kids would have fun up questions. Yeah, there's so then be, you're like, oh, then they God, want to see like, the evidence. Then they want the yeah, lowdown. They want the coroner's yeah. report. Exactly. It's all was it of that. old age? Yeah. Was it because? And the, or yeah. did he? Was it too many minutes? Did he have a heart attack? Or well, did he? And then they might blame yeah. themselves. Working no, too and then, hard. And then they'll say, "My daddy's a coronary interventionalist. Why couldn't he save him?" <laughs> yeah. And then yeah, you're like, "Where I'm was not, he? I'm where good. are you, Dad?" Yeah, I'm good, but I'm not that good. Years of mince pies and brandy yeah. in the middle of the night. This is what. This is the atherosclerosis that it causes yeah. like this is a, a warning to you all but i don't yeah. know maybe he just got suffocated in a particularly narrow chimney flu you never exactly. know you never the know possibilities are endless but the fact so. is that he's dead and that's all you need to know yeah we've so did i say that we've told lil's she asked us outright oh, whether santa exists and we said oh no she doesn't uh, he doesn't because the year before we lil's had a lot of questions and you could i can, you could see mine like, like working. Cogs. That, yeah yeah like the kind of questions she was asking, you could tell that she was spotting inconsistencies there. And even though we'd do a whole thing where we'd have presents from Santa, we'd have different wrapping. And, uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, like, we, you know, just you'd try and do little things. And we also wouldn't get her, like, massive things from Santa because we don't want her to go to school and be like, Santa got me there. So there'd be a few things. Like Santa would do a few things in the stocking and one present, and it'd be just something. I think, like, last year, Santa got, like, a toy, like, ukulele or whatever. But... She'd asked a, a lot of questions, uh, a lot of questions about it, and this year she kept. We said, don't want to keep lying to her because it also seems like yeah. it's a bit of a weird thing, like in retrospect, to be like, yeah, yeah. we just, we all lie to you. Yeah, and we do it to make you behave better, and yeah, we get you to write to him. Yeah, these fake like, letters. Yeah, <laughs> and then what else from the shelf? Yeah, that's not real either. Yeah. But the good thing was is that she bought into the whole keeping the thing alive Aaron. so she was like oh what should we do with that from the shelf and stuff Aww. so that's kind of good that's when how did you find out when did do you remember so when you i don't remember out? but my parents i don't know why like they just will not tell me the truth about it like obviously i know oh. that santa oh, is a real right. i think but i remember growing up and repeatedly saying i know he's not real will you just confirm right. this to me and they were like no like he is real <laughs> And so that's a you issue if you don't believe that. And even wow. now in my mid thirties, and I, obviously it's a bit of a joke now, but they just, they will not say it. And I remember in school, not being bullied, but maybe in junior school, still wondering if, the, if he was a thing. And like my friends telling me like, oh no, my mum told me like he's not real. And I was like, why isn't my mum telling me? And then yeah. she just got it ingrained in my head that if, if you don't believe, you don't get. And I was just like, yeah. And I just, and then I just was like, obviously when you know the Easter bunny's not, pro probably not real, the yeah. tooth fairies are probably not real. Sorry if there's any kids like listening, but this is the real world, y'all. 
And I just think it's just funny, okay. isn't it? Because I get, I think those reasons that you gave there in terms of answering her, honestly, like that's just so profound. Like we need to give kids more credit. Yeah. I think they're being interesting because I think one of the things that craps the illusion is how there was a film called Rise of the Guardians. Have you seen that? I haven't, but it's I know what. Of, yeah. It's, a, it's, it's animated. It's really good, actually. It's probably one of my favorite kind of Christmas-ish movies. And because they have him teaming up with the Easter Bunny, the Tooth Fairy. And I'm like, oh. you're tying together too many lies. Yeah. Just, you've got this to keep those. messy. Yeah. 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 You're, create, you're making problems for yourself by linking together the law yeah. of all of them. Yeah. And, and I think that she was a bit like, oh. This is a bit once... far-fetched. Yeah. This, yeah, exactly. Yeah. They're all in the cahoots. Why? Yeah. Why would yeah. Santa and the Easter Bunny rivals? Like, why mm. would they? And so then as soon as you get a crack in one, you lose the illusion. Of one. The whole house of cards yeah. just goes. That's it. Once one is gone. But I remember believing, and I say believing in the loosest sense of the word, in the tooth fairy for a lot longer than I should have because Did you? Oh. but teeth meant cash like yeah. I, I got a pound when I lost a tooth do you know what I mean so I was wow. like I'm yeah, believing yeah, yeah. that shit until my wisdom yeah, teeth yeah. come in <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna be rinsing this and I want inflation as well yeah. and I always remember that but then my parents were dead sweet obviously even when I knew that there wasn't such a thing they'd still sneak into my bedroom and try and put the pound under the pillow and then probably it was a phase where I probably tried to remove my own teeth to get more money, not realizing that we only have a set amount. But yeah, yeah, I think that is. I think it is one of the fun things of being a parent is like playing along with it. Yeah, but I think it just gets to a point where I think when you're having to like really push them to continue believing it, it's who are you really doing that for at that point if they're not really wanting to believe it? Then totally, you know. yeah, it's a bit yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? But you mentioned yeah. like Christmas films and obviously one of the biggest Christmas films is Home Alone. And yeah, yeah. it was a really funny story from, it was from Christmas Eve actually. And it was commented that Spirit Airlines, which is like a budget airline in the States, has apologized after it mistakenly put an unaccompanied six-year-old on the wrong flight during the holiday season travel rush. And someone quote tweeted that and said, for anyone who thought Home Alone wouldn't be possible in 2023, your crucial mistake was forgetting <laughs> Spirit Airlines exist. And I just want to say, if, if you've never had the joy of flying Spirit Airlines, then keep it that way. Seriously, this Spirit, I've just never experienced anything like it. I took an internal flight with them in April to see my brother. And it was just madness. I sometimes think that Ryanair is bad. and But yeah, this is like something else. Is that a new low? Wow. Would you put it below Ryanair? Then? I think I would. And the, really well. the, the price was right at the time. But knowing what the experience that we had and the queues for hours outdoor, they made us queue in the Florida humidity and heat outside the airport to get to the check-in desk. And it was like hours long. Well, this was with all the luggage. This was like oh no shade, God. nothing, 40 odd degree heat, humidity, crazy. And like my poor parents, bless them, they just did not know what hit them. Like they were not expecting that at all. And when I said, oh, this is budget, it was like 600 quid cheaper than American Airlines. How bad can it be? I was like, mm. this is bad. But so I could completely imagine that like this happened, that they've just literally put a child on the wrong flight by themselves. But yeah, real life home alone. Wow. That's a story to tell, think, isn't it? It is, isn't it? Because I just think about, so Lils is now seven. So a six-year-old. They besides still need, myself, I think. I, I know. Think. They still need help for cutting up their food. Yeah. Wiping have, their like, ass, all that. Yeah. yeah. Wiping <laughs> their ass. I don't know. They've got kids. <laughs> well, so Nils, so she's seven. She would... You know, if we went to a restaurant and stuff, she'd be able to sit there and amuse herself. Uh, she doesn't quite need to have like distraction of an iPad and stuff. They're beyond that. Yeah. But I, I can imagine them being quite like quietly, ter easily, quietly terrified. Yeah. Um, just, oh God, that must be so traumatizing. Yeah. I, hope... I wonder how they found out. I wonder, were they all sitting on the plane and then there was a kid and then they were like, oh, but that's not mine. And then the other person, yeah. maybe he was in and the I'm middle still... seat and they were like, is he not with you? No, is he with you? Yeah. And then they're like, I just don't That's know so how, because obviously he's boarded. They put him on a flight. Yeah. Who found that out? Yeah. yeah. Jesus Christ. So I hope they had to pay out a lot of money for that. Yeah. That would be a bit trauma. Yeah. 
so I shouldn't laugh, so, but I'm just like, it's just no, it's so, awful, it's so it? ridiculous. Yeah. Hopefully they should laugh about it. Yeah, but gee, yeah. what a joke. You did an um, interesting tweet about New Year's resolutions, which is always something that I struggle with. I don't uh, make New Year's resolutions anymore. No, same. Um, I don't. You, I think they're like yeah. setting you up for a letdown, a fall, yeah. for a fall. Yeah, because yeah. I just can't stick to anything, as we all know. But, but I found this, it, it was an article that said um, that I think it said, so, resol- so the title of the article said, resolutions don't work, an unusual New Year's guidebook for people who think differently. Some people set New Year's resolutions to cut calories or exercise every day, then set off down a straight and steady path towards success with nothing but their self-discipline in tow. Those people don't have ADHD, which is not to say we can't achieve meaningful positive change. It just means we have to approach it differently. I don't, I've never put like a relationship between that before. And I think it's quite normal to struggle with, with resolutions, I think, because it's quite, yeah. I think we always put like massive expectations on ourselves. But I, when I saw this, I was like, oh, actually, that's quite interesting how there is maybe a link between like how your brains work. Because in terms of like my mind, I don't know if it's the same with yourself, but it just flits between so many different things that I struggle with self-discipline for any one particular thing, like. Yeah. That concentration and focus, I just don't have it. Yeah, I think I saw a video from someone talking about it, saying that people with ADHD is very much a kind of now thing. We yeah. um, exist very much in the now. And so the future is fraught with um, yeah. anxiety, but also that not it. really being able to perceive or like, like it just seems like really remote and far away. And yeah. So holding us to a stand. And often what I find is, is um, I go through like a rhythmic cycle of just thinking about all the things that I need to do um, within this undetermined period of time. And I know that they're going to be a problem for me if I don't deal with them, but I don't really even know where to start because there are a few of them. Mm. And again, I think a kind of perhaps a, a neurotypical person might be like, this is, the most important and this is probably the most kind of the thing that's probably most immediate so i'll do this and then deal with that other thing another day but i think because they're all perceived as threats yeah i think now i've stopped thinking of resolutions and i say to myself i kind of hope for in a general term yeah i like and that generally, generally what i find myself wishing for is like good health and happiness and maybe yeah you know, prosperity but it's difficult isn't it i think also it does the melancholy also does make is the thinking about the last year and what might have been good and what might have been bad i think it's difficult isn't it as you say because you put people put expectations on one another yeah forced to at this time of year because everyone's and i I think as well like i've not to be like maybe they should have a bit of a content warning but like in terms of weight and body weight excuse me like i get very hung up about that and I've always been on the bigger side, then I'll lose weight and then I'll feel like a bit more comfortable in my own skin and then my weight will go back up. And it's been like that all my life. And one of my resolutions was always, oh, I need to diet and exercise and get fit and thinner again. And it's never really happened. And the ways that I've lost weight have not been ways that I've wanted to really do that. And there was like one point in my life when I was like a new doctor 10 years ago when I became really fit and I was doing Tough Mudders and I literally had muscles and I've never got to that again. But, and then I think I keep telling myself, this is the year that I'm going to do it. And then I'm, I've now got to the point where I'm just like, but why? Even yeah. when I had that at the time, I regret that I didn't appreciate it. And I still didn't think I was good enough. Yeah. And now I am nowhere near that. And I think, and I'm just trying to make a bit of comfort with that because actually like things could be a lot worse. Like, of course they could. And I still do have my health in the most general sense. And you know what? Things are okay in that respect. Like I have a body that works on the whole. And do you know what I mean? And comparison is never, people say comparison is a thief of joy and it's no good to compare situations. But I think like actually in that respect, like what you said about health, I do have that. And why am I saying every year, this is the year that I'm going to get thin and healthy and fit again. Like to only get to June or July and then again, of course, realize that's not happened and then beat myself up about it. What is that? Whereas you could say, I hope that I have good health and stuff. It's just, I guess it just seems more normal and it's less. And, you know, in that way, if by in that hope you were spurred on to go to the gym more or just to do more steps or more walking or to eat a bit better, then amazing. But hopefully 
in 12 months, like you'll still be relatively healthy and then that's good enough, isn't it? Or it should be good enough. But yeah. I think like the messaging that we get from like the media and then you have these things like bloody Slimming World who go crazy yeah. with the leaflets through the door for, oh, yeah, New Year's Resolution, join Slimming World. And it's people are just preying on that. There's no health benefit to that. It, that's just a business. And you can't deny that there's lots of that like messaging in January that's gym fees are reduced mm. and it's just getting shot at you from all angles. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I just like to put the barriers up and just ignore all that now and just get on with my own yeah. life. And it is what it is thing. Yeah. We need more self-love, don't we? Yeah, Just man. Like... Self-compassion is totally underrated. It's so bloody hard, but it's, yeah. to it's the way forward. But in terms of resolutions that I did, and this wasn't a New Year's resolution, but I thought I'm going to take it forward and propose it as one, was a tweet by Deborah Dover. So her handle is right. at Dover Psych. And she posted a picture of what looked like a grid, like a calendar. And she said, my six-year-old has been keeping a diary of daily disappointments. The worst days so far included 11 separate incidents during the 10 minutes walk from school to home. <laughs> Clearly, we are doing a great job. And the diary just shows like a tally of all these disappointments. And I just what, thought... What were they? I, I who knows? That's it. We want the details. But I just love that. Like, I love documentation in any shape or form. Like, I'm all about yeah. the stationery and the admin and whatever. Yeah, yeah. But I just thought, imagine, like, keeping a diary of disappointments. I That's love amazing. that. And looking yeah, back on good. that in 40 years' time. Yeah. Oh, what pissed me off today? Yeah, absolutely. Isn't that what Twitter's for? Oh, like? totally. It's going to be a great tool when we all get dementia and we just think, what was like, going on? Oh my on? God. Yeah, I was really annoyed about having to do that. Yeah, yeah, totally. But you put in a positive one. Oh, I did. And I just felt it's always good to have a bit of balance. But I like this one. And this was like legitly positive. And it was a tweet that said, the best New Year's resolution I ever made was to start devouring all my nicest things. <gasps> Save no small pleasure for an unspecified future. Now I burn the good candles. I wear the expensive perfume at home. I scribble in perfectly in pretty notebooks. You can, I yeah, I know. You can't pin joy like a moth, but. That's amazing. It's so good, those, isn't it? I'm like triggered by those because I'm like, oh, the, literally wearing the expensive perfume. You can believe that's the last, don't you? Or scribbling in the pretty notebooks. So I, fun, funnily yeah. enough, like the notebook thing I'm still struggling with. And I have so many gorgeous planners and empty notebooks right. because I'm just terrified that I will write something mm. in it and it won't be neat enough. Or I'll want to cross it out and then I'll be like, oh, throw it all away. But yeah. the good candles I do and the perfume I do now, I'm just, I just yes. I like those good things. And I always remember randomly, I don't know if anyone remembers Trini and Susanna, What Not to Wear yeah, years yeah. ago. And I, my mum was obsessed with that show. And I remember watching it with her once as a child. And one of them said something about you should never keep your clothes for best because when is best? Wear your sequins to the supermarket or whatever. And I'm like, wow. yeah, and I do now. I just think if I have these nice clothes in my wardrobe, like where do I, do you mean apart from work, like where do I go now? It's, I'm not going to wear that stuff to the beach with the dog, but I'm like, gosh, I will wear that nice jacket to work as long as there's no like stinky pussy wounds and stuff in store for that day. That's a whole different situation. I'll wear, the, I'll wear my nice clothes for work, but I'm doing the admin. That seems safest. Yeah. But it's not, yeah, if yeah, it's good, isn't it? Just just use that stuff up now. Oh, yeah, that's true. Enjoy it. In, enjoy it. But um, do you, go on. It makes me, you know, so your TV remote. Yes. Have you ever been the type of person to cover it in plastic? Because that's a thing. And uh, I had to rebel against that. My parents did. Yeah, no, I've never, but for some reason, my parents bought a skin for their Sky remote. There was this period where you could get like patterned uh -oh. stickers to go on. And they just bought right. a Minions one, and I don't know why, and they don't, like, oh God. but they thought that was, they thought <laughs> that was the best thing ever. And I was like, wait a minute. That's so funny. Yeah, not the, I know what you mean by the plastic, but no, we never had that. Okay, that's good. How about, so th So I think maybe that's an Asian thing, because there's an like, Asian thing about that, and also covering your sofa. Yes, yeah, so we, we, we never did that, but I knew people who did, but then. We we moved to, I remember in our childhood, we moved from like a fabric sofa to a leather sofa, God, which my parents still Ooh. have now. But I was never allowed to put like a plate on there because like right. it would re leave like a ring indentation. Yeah. Like if that happened, it was the worst thing in the world. And I was like, but look, rub it like it goes. It was like, no, you're ruining the leather. Like <laughs> it was for sitting down only. Like you could not do any other activity there. But oh my god, you've got me thinking about the things that I'm hoarding and keeping. God, the stuff I I've spilled on my own sofa now. Like it it dreads yeah. to think about. <laughs> like yeah, yeah, completely yeah. different. Like kettle of fish. Yeah, absolutely. 
Do you have like special china or special no, plates and things? No, I just yes. crack them all out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Nothing, nothing guess, is special in this house. Yeah, no, I get that. Do you think that's? I think there's a generational thing in terms of. I think I don't so. Know. I think because I remember when I was younger, people for weddings and engagements or whatever gifts would get crystal glasses or whatever or a dinnerware set, but it would be like a special one. And then I'm sure my mum. I feel like there was always a cupboard in the kitchen that would have that stuff yeah. at the back of it. Yeah, my mum does And this. it'd be like chinaware and stuff that you just wouldn't really use. You, but it was yeah. a gift, so it was there. And But I don't think, I just have one set of crockery now and various glasses because I just got a bit of a glass addiction. I don't know why, but I will use them really? all. Yeah. A favourite glass. I think, you know what, that it is a bit, like it definitely is a thing. Like yeah. we have some really cool wine glasses and... We don't really drink that much wine. So like at Christmas, we did pour our like flat or what, you know. Yeah, like, we drink a juice out of them. Yeah. Do you have a favourite glass? Uh, so I have this weird obsession. Like I can't have odd glasses. So every glass I have has to be like a set of four. Like I can't just have like at home, like my parents' house, there's like various glasses that my dad's commandeered from yeah, pubs and stuff that. and things. Oh, really? But I can't Oops. use those because I'm like, it doesn't have a matching one. Oh, um, no way. But I do have my favorite glasses at the moment are like these Oliver Bonas, Bonas ones. They're like a little stubby tumbler and they have different color metallic foils on the bottom. And it just okay. makes me feel fancy. Uh, and I'm drinking my orange juice out of them. <laughs> so do you think you feel that way because they feel a bit more unique? And so if you break no, it. No, I just like the shape of I like the shape of them. So I like I Not like the uh, they having to have like oh, a setting. Oh, yeah, I think I just like things to like match. So not, like my dinnerware and stuff is not really matching, but it's all like stoneware, roughly the same color kind of thing. So there's got to be like four of everything, like four of the same dinner plates, four of the same bowls, four of the same glasses. I just can't. So if you break one, then what happens? Oh, I have to start. I have to get a new set. Oh, so really? that has happened. So then I do have some sets of three. That I'll be like, oh, maybe I can use that for the dog's dinner or something. And then I have to acquire like a new set of four. But I am quite clumsy, but luckily I've managed to be okay with my set at the moment. But yeah, like people have like favorite spoons, don't they? And yeah, I know people love a little spoon. I love a big spoon. Gee, okay. Yeah. Apparently the little spoon thing is supposed to be quite common. Neurodiverse. Yes, I saw that. I saw that. And I used, remember as a child, like refusing to use a big spoon with anything. But now having such a big mouth, like it's just more, it gets more in, yeah, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. gets more in. <laughs> so about utility. So totally. you LinkedIn. Oh, I think I did see this. Yeah, I think there. she, so the, so we, as it, as, so it's Friday today and this is the end of the strikes. Or is it, it's tomorrow a strike right. as well? Yeah, no, the strikes continue, including Monday. Oh, cool. That's good. That's good to know because I would have been like, what? Wait, what? But there was a tweet from a, I think she was a retired rheumatologist that was quite like derogatory to us, everyone. Yes. She retired at the age of 57. Oh, nice. Nice. But But, I just searched for it and it has been, has been deleted now. But Ben Besker said, imagine being a rheumatologist and practicing medicine for only 20 years in total before retiring and then spending Christmas Eve posting disparaging tweets aimed against junior doctors working in possibly the worst era of medicine in the UK. Whilst that tweet was still active of hers, I think she understood that it was, or there was enough responses, shall we say, that kind of called it out and made it very obvious that it was quite a poorly timed and distasteful tweet, but. There's always one man, isn't there? There's always one. And it's always, as predictably, it's always the person who's got theirs, isn't it? Oh, um, totally. That they've had, the, they've experienced the best of no tuition fees and free accommodation and pay, whatever. And it's just, yeah, it's, it's always the way. And normally we get the, we get our Times correspondent, Rosie Barua, to mm. obviously siphon <laughs> the letters from the Times that often say the same things, but. I'm sure there'll be some in next week's episode. But yeah, that always seems to come up every round of strikes, doesn't it? So what happened? Did this person delete their tweet in the end? They did, or? yeah. Did they? they did. Did they say anything else? Let's have a little look. I did, I did find her and then it just seemed to... I don't think she posted again after that one, which is also quite malicious, isn't it? Like you just dropped that bomb. 
And then it's like, and then Smithers. Yeah, they do that on Christmas, and then was that on Christmas? On time? Christmas Eve. Yeah, yeah. Christmas Eve. Because that was oh, so this so apparently there's there's an article about her from. So this was from 2008, and the headline was "Doctors Living in Fear." But oh, two a retired doctor says their lives have been made in misery by a gang of yobs who terrorise their village. Oh yeah, I didn't see that. Karma, man. Karma, but so yeah, she. Oh. Yeah, let's have a little look. So let's have a look at her account. No, it's, I Nothing can't see that it, it's yeah. available. So the last yeah, tweet was yeah. from November. So she's just <laughs> she just deleted that, which is interesting because mm. yeah, well, it could have been an opportunity for growth there, but alas, in yeah. these situations, not, I guess for the very same. Time. From the brain that gave you that original tweet, you got the brain that decided that they don't yeah. want to engage there anymore. Well, no, yeah. just rather just assume everyone else is an asshole. So, oh, a uh, tweet from Foley, Dodgy Datix. Yeah. So this was, this was quote tweeting a tweet about, and I don't know, I assume this is true, but the original tweet said, imagine being petty enough and having enough time to Datix a doctor for using their phone torch during an examination to check someone's pupils. And then Phil Lee quote tweeted that and said, I actually think we don't send enough Datixes. I open every day with a Datix against the entire country for the predicament we are all in. And take it from there. But it is true. People will datex like the pithiest things. Like I always use my phone torch for like pupils, back of throat. I don't carry a pen torch with me like I should. I'm a shit GP. What can I say? I don't see what the problem is, really. It's interesting that someone in that scenario then went and just, they had the time to really I was going to say, who's got the time? Because if when you fill in a datix form, there are so many boxes to fill in. And then depending on what type of box it is, and then you've got these other boxes and you have to write the account. And I just thought, like someone has sat down and just thought, I'm going to do this. It's the, there are just people who are just have that whole monitor. They just want to feel yeah. powerful and just make someone else Prefects, feel like terrible. Yeah, and yeah, like, it's got to be, yeah, some sort of control or... Seniority, yeah. isn't it? The NHS really has that. So many people with that energy. It's good, for, I, it's good for cultivating those people. Absolutely. Yeah. I saw this video on TikTok of this guy who was driving a Lamborghini through Canada and he got pulled over by this policeman. And this policeman was like, Where I didn't see your registration. He's like, Oh, I'm actually visiting from Dubai or something. And because I'm visiting, I have to have a special permit. So uh, it's all on board the car and I start to shit. And the guy was like, Actually, you don't. And he was just like, yeah just and the guy was being really polite and saying oh and the guy was going through this cycle of saying the thing he needed to bring out and it was just constantly changing so the guy's reaching into his bag and getting this and that and then at the end when the policeman realizes that this guy is legit he goes look next time you need to have your permit i've got another call to answer and then just walks off because he was obviously just in the wrong yeah and and just couldn't accept that uh, yeah and i'm just like and I, that same energy, yeah, exactly. Just feeling like they need to be superior than someone, telling them that they're lower, and then just really, they send that data, and they're probably not even interested in what the outcome is. What outcome is there? That's what is. Yeah. What happens that uh, they just don't have a light to do the examination, and I just think, yeah. and someone made a good point, but obviously, excuse me, intermittent, intermittent, in, intimate examinations that you might need a torch for, then. Of course, you wouldn't use your phone because it looks a bit like you might be filming it. But yeah. I think that's such that's such a rare situation. And looking at people's pupils or the back of their throat or whatever, I use it all the time for that. And yeah, I don't know who's asked. Clearly, this yeah. person, but this person was. Yeah. Um, I think, and the other thing that I find funny is, is that I did think it was a thing where if you ever wanted to find scissors or tape or a torch, most nurses would have them on them. Mm. a lot of them do and so perhaps instead of sitting down to do that datix they could have gone along and maybe found them a torch and then but instead rather than doing that they decided just yeah i'd rather just datex it instead and and the problem is that there is that funny side to it of course and there is a kind of irritating side to it and but then if you just take that to its extension which is that when you're Datix personally, you have to discuss the your ARCP. And if you're someone That's, who's already struggling, yeah. there's a lot of... Even lot if of, it is a ridiculous one, the fact yeah, that it's there and it's documented somewhere, it still feels a bit shitty, doesn't it? Yeah, it's just it's unpleasant. And yeah. I just think all that, all that stuff that comes out of it, just from... It's not as, as well, like, 
when someone's looking in someone's eyes, it's part, they're not doing it for jokes. I don't know where the fun is. Like, <laughs> oh, look at the shiny light. Yeah, yeah exactly. like a cat. What, yeah. 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 This person's doing their job. It's yeah. Not, I just don't see. It's just, it's bad juju. But so this is like, we've mentioned a few times about AI, I think on the podcast about like when you get them to like create images of what they think certain like medical people are. And this was yeah. a tweet asking AI to make images of palliative care doctors that were increasingly palliative care. Like that was the command. And yeah. it's really funny. So the first image is a lady doctor looking into the eyes of a patient who I assume is the palliative patient and is like clasping their hands around theirs. Yeah. And every time they ask, it's got the tilt side. to one side, yeah, yeah. isn't it? And then every time they ask it to get more palliative, it becomes more intense. And the next picture is the palliative care doctor's hands again clasped around this guy's hands. But now she's got three hands somehow. So there's now <laughs> three hands clasped around yeah. this man's hand. Oh, gosh. Wow. And yeah. then each time. So the third picture is that they said now really intense eye contact has replaced her third hand. But her stethoscope now has two listening ends. Like oh, AI yeah. is just crazy. Wow. And then the most palliative care is this, like some crazy futuristic. There's this old guy in a pod. <laughs> Look on the Star Trek Enterprise, isn't it? Like, Someone said, is there's a holographic dandelion? <laughs> futuristic Saturn. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. I don't. Oh, I love what? it, man. I love it. I love AI. Yeah. But yeah. on a more serious note, there was someone was using ChatGP to create diagnoses on a set of symptoms. So the tweet is, was, says, is by Diane Marie at D underscore Camacho, C-A-M-A-C-H-O. And she said, bored in the hospital, so I put all my symptoms into chat GPT and I asked it to list the most likely diagnoses in order. Of course, anxiety was at the top of the list, so I ran it again, but as a male patient, and to absolutely no one's surprise, anxiety uh. wasn't even on the list of possible diagnoses. Yeah. So it's not like even obviously, like, again, I keep saying AI is only based on the information that exists. So yeah. it's not surprising, but somehow it is like incredulous that even yeah. that bias is embedded in artificial intelligence. Yeah. That's because it's mainly written by blokes, isn't it? That's yeah. Problem. Computers. Yeah. So she said, for the record, this is a scary thing. The other possible diagnoses were things like omniumbolus acute coronary syndrome, cardiomyopathy. In other words, what ChatGPT saw as most likely was just anxiety for women. It saw as potentially life-threatening conditions for a man. That is scary, isn't it? But, and the mm. thing is that if this was just a problem that was isolated with AI, but obviously this is a problem within like society and the way that we operate too, like we're not above this. Like mm -hmm. we do, we know, uh, I say that quite a lot in the lab, we are much less likely to take women to the lab as in for an angiogram than a man. And mm. when they have an, when they have an angioplasty, well, much less likely to do angioplasty when they're there than to do it for a man. And then their outcomes are worse or we're less likely to follow them up, follow up women than men and their outcomes are worse. So literally at every single stage we're worse. And Oh yeah, and also, even if you adjust for things like weight and other medical conditions, we're likely to give them less pain relief and less sedation and less medication. It's just almost every, every single stage. And yeah. look, the only way around this is to acknowledge it, speak it out loud, and also more representation, right? More diversity, mm. because I think that's the only way, really. We just need people that actively advocate and consciously. And so it's not a great surprise that AI kind of mimics our own... It like holds yeah. up a mirror to us, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So, but yeah, it's interesting to see it there in black and white. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, mad. So what a brutal triage. What's oh, this? I love this. So this this tweet is written by a medic Ooh. accountant who is yeah. a husband of a GP. And he was just relaying a conversation that he had with his GP wife. So he said, do you think I should go and see someone about my medical issue? To which his GP wife, silence. And then he goes, and his GP wife said, do you want the truth? You're getting old and what you have described goes with that. <laughs> and then oh, he said, brutal triage. Brutal triage. And I just think you, ha you hear so many like kids and relatives of like medical people, don't you just say, 
there has to be a limb falling off before they'll be mm. like, oh, actually, you should probably go to A&E. Like, we just go so far the other way, don't we? And I think sometimes, like, even with my own health, I'm like, oh, I'll just ignore yeah. that constellation of symptoms. Like, I obviously know better, blah, blah, blah. Obviously, it's BS, mm. but I just love that term, like, brutal triage. And I was like, yeah, I so wish I could incorporate a bit of brutal triage into my day. I really I think do. There's a, isn't that something that's famously associated with the kind of children of an A&E? Yes. Of an A&E nurse? Or yes. So where I work at the moment, my educational supervisor's daughter also works in practice and she's non-medical but she was recounting these stories to me of like when she'd fallen and she'd had a broken bone when she was a child for three days before it's like the child of a nurse and a doctor that that was her parents and it was just it's just you just hear it so much don't you and yeah Yeah. funny (laughs) (laughs) yeah i don't know what you could the thing is that I think part of it, though, in their defense, is that there is hope, isn't it? You hope it's not going to be the serious thing. I think thing, so. Right? Yeah, I think so. Okay. Well, oh, you see it like it's not going to happen to you. Yeah, like it couldn't possibly. I can't yeah. be sick. Right. So you link a tweet from Paul Lyons who talked about dictating letters. He said, dictating letters is a nightmare. Oh, that reminds me. I've got a few. You've got a few. <laughs> God. I come out with the most ridiculous things under pressure. This man who keeps a delightful array of birds has a normal Doppler ultrasound. No follow-up required, and I hope his birds remain <laughs> healthy. Yours sincerely. Poor secretary. Did he say it? Oh my gosh, that's amazing. <laughs> that's totally something I would do. I was, I had to, when I was on my psych job last rotation, I had to start typing my own letters because, I don't know, like in neurosurgery, dictating letters was completely, like, it was much easier because I just feel like it was just more succinct black and white details. There wasn't yeah. any ambiguity. It was this operation. This was a post-operative course. Or whatever. And then when I got to psych and I was felt like I was having to try and tell someone's story and yeah. um, there were things that I thought were like quite important in the assessment that it, in this person's home, because I was working on a community team, and then that I would try and put that into a letter and then I would be dictating them. And when the secretaries came to me and said, do you know that your first dictation was 30 minutes long? We oh. cannot do this. And I was like, what? <laughs> and I was essentially just having this rambling, doing this like <laughs> podcast to myself, like yeah. this monologue of, th- of like literally having a conversation with myself and then not sure if I should include that or not. And weirdly for psych, I just then found it so much quicker to write my own letters because I felt like I was with a story. I could just write it all down. Yeah. But the things that they used to like laugh at me about, because they would be like, why did you mention the ornament that she had in the room? And I was like, I don't know. <laughs> like, it just felt important. <laughs> oh, my God. 30 minutes. No, I know. I, I, lit- I was like, so ashamed. I think the, <laughs> the admin lady was like, girl, look, I was on overtime. Like, I didn't care. And I was like, I'll do them longer. She was like, no, that's not permission. Please don't do that again. But oh, now amazing. I'm in GP. I've, I've got really, I'm, I feel like I'm getting better at being quite, detailed enough but quite succinct in my notes because you you just don't have time and I quite like that challenge of seeing that I can get everything down that's important and looking at what my colleagues write and stuff but like not having because no one needs to see an essay like that's just not good practice so I quite like that challenge now at making it succinct but enough yeah it's it's difficult isn't it because you want to like the kind of letters that you write they serve so many different purposes, right? Uh, Obviously, you're communicating to like a colleague in a way that useful for them and know how to follow on or whatever. We might be asking them a question, but also the, the patients have to look at them. And so is it in a way that kind of readable and understandable and non-alarming to them or at least provides them an accurate reflection of what your interaction was like? But also it might be a record to you to remind you of what the situation so this was is, like with the yeah. patient. So and, this... and so when I so these days when I'm dictating letters, it's often about a proce- it's often about the procedure, and so then there's a lot of jargon there. We put in like maybe the devices that we use and the stuff, which is no use to the GP, and I often end up saying this is for our records only because I'm like, I thought it just sounds like you're showing off or something. I yeah. would use this size, this, and it's just useful to know. And I think it's... as well, what I've seen people do, and I've done this a few times now, is. Is to, as when it serves as a reminder for yourself is sometimes people say that they like to put like something that's quite personal yeah. in that consultation and it's just nice when you can ask that person about it the next time you see them because sometimes I've mentioned like someone I was seeing recently asked a oh, look, patient looking forward to going abroad on Boxing Day 
And then when I like saw them recently, yeah, because they like, oh, did you have a nice trip? And I think people just really think, oh, she's remembered that. And obviously it's there, but it's just that nice. Yeah. Another avenue to build rapport, isn't it? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. And it's the little things, isn't it? Otherwise, oh, it just becomes... totally. Yeah, you have you to look for the little things. Yeah. yeah. So this next one that you linked, Jane Friedman, and tell us about that. Yeah, so I think we mentioned, was it last episode, uh, about okay. parents not trusting us? And there was more from the American side of my Twitter this week. So the original tweet said, me as a surgeon chopping sweet potatoes with my mum, and then her mum going, be careful with that knife. And then Dr. Jamie Friedman said, me, a paediatrician, getting to hold my cousin's baby for the first time while visiting with my mum. And then mum going, be careful with his neck. Like, yeah, it's I, so funny, uh, isn't it? Like, that, yeah, I, do, I, I think sometimes that they just don't see us as anything different to their, their little no kid. Baby. And there was a reply from a neurosurgeon who said, I drill into people's heads and spines. Me also drilling and cutting stuff in my garage and his wife going, be careful. Have you done this before? I and I had the same thing with my dad. I was putting up my own shelves and I was using an awl or a drill or whatever. And my dad was like, how do you know what you're doing? And I was like, drilling a hole, no matter what you drill it in, whether it's plasterboard or a skull, it's, it's no different. It's the same thing. But he was just like, no, I am the man. I will do this. Oh, that's yeah. quite cool, actually. Imagining you doing that being like, this is nothing. I've done it. Oh, I've, I've got a pencil behind my ear. I've got like my DIY clothes on. Oh, really? Like, yeah. Oh, I my God. Do you have stuff. overalls? Do you have no, rolls and a belt? I wish. <laughs> Don't encourage me, Therusha. But uh, <laughs> I literally, I have like clothes. Oh, this sounds so lame, but I love going to be and queuing them because I just look like I know what I'm doing. So right. I have, so when I do all my DIY or my decorating stuff in my house, like I always have the same clothes and it's right. just like a pair of old jogging bottoms and a jumper, but right. they look like, there's bits of paint, there's bits of plaster. <laughs> like those people who yeah. those like decorators. Oh, that person does things. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I'm like, yeah, yeah. every time. Handy. Totally. And then when I do something in the house and I'm short of something, I'm like, I'm going to go and be in cute in my workman yeah. clothes. Uh, and then I, I just feel like, oh, look at this girl. And yeah, there yeah. was a, the, there's like a business that lives, like they work a couple of doors down from me on a main road. And they saw me coming back from B&Q once with the door, like an internal door. And it was in, it was during that COVID time when it was like really difficult to get timber. So the doors that you could get, unless you paid a lot of money for timber doors, they're like hollow. So you have like timber strips on the outer portion of the door, but inside it's just hollow. So they're actually really light. But mm. then I get out of my car in the decorator's clothes <laughs> yeah. with this internal door on my, sho like on my shoulder. And these men came out of the shop and they were like, whoa and i was like ah, really yeah 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 get a load of that i just i felt <laughs> so powerful it's so lame but i was oh no that sounds really cool they were like oh do you know what you're doing love and i was like yes thanks yeah and i just no, sauntered no, past no. with this door on but yeah yeah see now but, if something like that had happened to me i'd immediately tripped over yeah little did they know that you could anyone could have picked that door up with one hand because <laughs> it was all hollow but right. I thought they don't need to know that. So I good. look kick ass right now. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's cool. That is pretty cool. Yeah, I love that. When they, I think you need to get like in the Ghostbusters, they have like full body like overalls and they've got like, a little utility yeah, belt. I love and those. then you can put like a hammer and the screwdriver. Yeah. Like, oh, see now, I think this just shows like how different you're the handy one and I'm like, not you're the delicate, so like, on the outfit. clever one. I the outfit. I'm just going to belch for it. Let me dress you, darling. Let me dress. Yeah. But, oh, I can accessorize this. But no, that's so funny because I used to Google those Carhartt overalls yeah. and I, I would be desperate for a pair, but my body shape just does not lend itself to overalls. Like I don't... Or dung, oh, yeah, it's weird. Or dungarees, like my proportions are all wrong. So... I just can't get them to fit me. Like the legs, the body, the crotch just doesn't like, I end up like garroting myself in half, literally. <laughs> Which is an image that nobody asked for. But maybe like one day, yeah, like... just waddling, can't move in my dungarees. Like yeah. nobody talk to me, I can't breathe. Uh, oh, yeah, so that's the, that'll be the next step up for me. So I will certainly be looking at investing in a pair oh. of overalls. And then I'll just have yeah. to put paint on them. So they just look a bit like I'm yeah, doing. Yeah, and then... Oh my God, see. It just sums me up. So my next question is, so what shoes do you wear? So what oh, shoes? Oh, so yeah, I've got a good old pair of trainers. So yeah, like okay. I've not got any like steel toe boots, unfortunately, oh, okay. or caterpillar boots, but just the old trainers and which is not very safety conscious. So I don't advise that. But yeah, yeah the, need the, boots. the shoes the boots. don't match the outfit as such. But oh, yeah, as long as they don't look. 
there, then that's fine. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Well, I mean, going back to the topic, I just think it's so my dad will often like forward me messages that he gets from his friends. Like I end up being like the kind like of the, yeah. medical advice type person. <laughs> but the <laughs> thing is, that my, yeah, but I think my dad, by extension, has hard to offer out advice. Because he's never learned by association. <laughs> yeah, literally, my as a cardiologist, like, don't you know? Yeah, literally. Yeah. And so that I don't is... know. And I remember him telling me about like, how ob- he gave him this advice, obviously, because obviously you've got to do this, you've got to eat garlic and drink oh, more water and all that stuff. And I'm like, what are you doing? And I'm like thinking about like, what is he like amongst those people? Yeah, yeah. And I wondered if he's putting your name to it as well. Yeah. Or is, oh if, he's, if he's owning it, that's fine. But if he's, yeah. yes, Sarusha actually recommended yeah. Yeah. that you yeah. rub a sprig of sage over your temples. Yeah. And exactly. And eat a fava yeah. bean. Yeah. Fava yeah. Beans yeah. No, don't like eat that. that. Yeah. yeah. That is, yeah. That is so funny. Yeah. Parents, eh? Parents. Yeah, they make um, us laugh. Oh, so speak up, I guess we've gone from parents to expectation gaps, which I think is I find this I find the expectation gap like I know what this I know what that means. But you've got a tweet that kind of So yeah, this is this is something that since I've started back in GP in November, this is something that's like just struck me. Like even from starting GP training like eighteen months ago and being in GP at that time to now, the expectation gap has just somehow got even bigger. And I work in a very deprived area at the moment. So I think where I work currently, I think the expectation gap is probably smaller than what it could be in more affluent areas. But this was a tweet by Professor Lucy Easthoe, um, who said, a chap just walked into a GP receptionist, banged his hands on the desk and said bluntly, appointment today. When asked about his needs and this was on the 22nd of December by the way when asked about his needs he said I want my knees sorting before Christmas I think this might be what we call the expectation gap in the NHS and I've just been reflecting with colleagues over the last couple of months just how people's expectations are just so far removed from what we can offer them at the minute and I don't always think that's their fault because the way things are in the NHS at the minute are pretty dire with waiting lists and stuff but there are, I think those are very valid. But then there are cases like this as well, where people will sometimes use that excuse of, I've paid national insurance contributions all my life. I need this sorting now. And it's actually, there's a triage system and there's priorities. And actually, this is not a priority and it's not possible. And I don't know where people are just at the end, they tether more for whatever reason, but like they just don't accept that. And it gets quite hostile and it gets quite tense. Mm-hmm. And that is a big cause of fatigue, I think, at the minute in healthcare. Because what can you do, isn't it? We're so restricted. I think, yeah, I bet like being a GP as well, being the face of it all. And the thing is that you're only responsible for a kind of tiny part of a really protracted and convoluted and challenging system, right? So, for example, for the knee, that person get to get having their knee replacement like think of all the other different people they're going to have to meet along the way whether it's surgeon having their procedure like all those different things that go into that process but you're the first person they meet and often the most accessible of those uh, yeah so difficult isn't it having to explain and so then having to explain to them without making it sound like you have no response of course there are some responsibilities that you have being that person that's meeting them but of course you're not responsible for the whole system and you just advise that system you're like a component in it she's a great tweet to link thank you for doing that so that's at she's, Earth handles she's uh, a really good follow yeah she's a really good follow as well professor she's a disaster specialist hmm. and she's got a really good book out which i read a while back and it's called when the dust settles and it's about searching for hope after disaster and she advises on disasters and stuff and i partly became aware of her because i think she's sometimes based in liverpool and but she's also based all over the world. And I, she's a really good follow in general. And yeah, I would definitely recommend her book. But I think what she, I find, go on, what were you going to say? She wrote this night, a nice response to it. Because I guess we all experience an element of that frustration. And my kind of relatable experience would be when people are waiting for their inpatient surgery. And often oh, of people course, get really frustrated. Yeah. And often those get moved around and they get, I get the impression that maybe they think that we're just sitting on our hands and stuff. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that people have said is that 
actually a lot of the reasons for the delay for bypass or cardiac surgery are intensive care beds. Yeah. And they're not ring fenced for cardiac surgery. They go to people who are otherwise it's like critic, Yeah. Yeah. And but trying to explain that to that person who sat there, sat there and yeah. waited for ages. Yeah. And been told that their operation is going to be on this day. And then fasting. And yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very, it's very it's difficult. So, but, uh, and so there's a moral injury just from being in that position of explaining yeah. that. And it's like a really draining. And she wrote, I understand only too well the scale of the challenges you face this winter and in the months ahead. I will be there with you as we head into 2024. I see what you do, perhaps more than most. Use this brief moment to pause and remember that what you do makes a difference. Know that your hidden work, the bricolage that gets a community through, is seen by many of us. Nice. And that's like, it's nice to see that it's recognized sometimes because I think I often like lament the situations where like where I work still does telephone triage first. So the appointments, unless they're pre-booked for a, diff- for a certain reason, the emergency appointments will always be telephone until the doctor converts it to face. And there's lots of discussion about that for years now since COVID. But what tends to happen is that I'll get a full telephone clinic and then I'll run out to face-to-face slots and then I'm squeezing extra and double booking people on. And then those people will turn up to their appointment and the waiting room might look empty to them. And then I'm running late because I'm still on my telephone appointment or whatever. And then I'll call them in and then they'll say, but why am I late? There's no one else here. And it's no one sees that other work. Like, actually, I've just consulted however many patients over the phone, all the blood yeah. results, the urgent prescription requests. And that's it. And, and the other thing I kind of resent is when people say that GPs are the gatekeepers to the NHS, as in, like, we are protecting the specialists and secondary care. And actually, no, like. I see what they mean, but and we are a specialist in our own way. But I think it's what you were saying about that's the most accessible. So right. that's the person you always have to contact first, isn't it? Before, unless you go to A&E, it's more likely that you'll go to GP and request to have a referral or whatever. So I see where that term gatekeeper comes from, because people do just think that's the easiest point of contact. And that's who I can take my yeah. be. That's who I can take my concerns out on. Yes. And you can see that even in response to this, because... You know, there's a kind of predictable responses, which are, of course, that people are frustrated. So someone goes, sorry, but he wasn't rude, just direct, could well have been off work finally that day. Men consult less, et cetera, et cetera. Unlikely to be expecting Christmas miracle, just wants something done to help. I would have fitted him in that day, would you? Nice. You know all this. Don't shame him. What? That is so abrasive. Like, why? There's always a what about tree, isn't it? Like. On Twitter, yeah. someone's always got to be like, oh, but devil's advocate, what? You might not have known as no. When someone's aggressive, you know when they're aggressive. Like Exactly. And then people are like, oh, you don't know how long they've been waiting. That's true, but there's no excuse to be... Like that person, that receptionist that you're no talking excuse. to is not going to suddenly be like, oh, I'm going to be able yeah. to do it. Just because... I, even if you've been through really difficult times, there's no excuse for just taking that out on the first person who's willing to listen. Yeah. Like, how does just that... have some control and I understand people will try and make excuses and say you don't know what's going on in their life but shit life circumstances are never an excuse to act like this and to be rude and to I don't know just that's just it's just not it's just not an excuse I don't know how to put it more eloquently that's... than that but just think of who you're speaking to like it's a person and just as much as you're upset that other person's now going to be upset because you're taking it all out on them you can be direct, but not rude. That's quite an easy thing to do. That links very well with the tweet that you linked from Zoe Ayers. You talked about yeah, social media. I thought this would be quite a good one to end on, actually. Because when we all did that like social media panel in that conference, and people were saying, like, how do you still make Twitter and stuff interesting for you? And I think I said that sometimes I feel like I'm creating an echo chamber, but that's fine. And some people disagreed yeah. and said, actually, like, I think it's good to get the wide range of opinions and it keeps you grounded and stuff but Dr Zoe is tweeted on the 28th of December and her handle is at Z-J-A-Y-R-E-S who's also a really good follow as well and she is quite a senior chemist and she has ADHD and she tweets a lot about kind of mental health and academia and neurodivergency and stuff so she's a really good follow Um, and she also has a book about kind of mental health doing PhDs and stuff But her Mm. tweet said, a reminder that your social media is yours. You might be here to find connection. You have or to have a little moan about the world, share little wins, self-motivate, let off steam or all of the above. 
That's all okay. The people that aren't interested aren't your people. Just be you. And I think that's just not that we need permission, but actually that's what block who you want to block, mute who you want to mute, curate the timeline that serves you. If that's cute cat videos, perfect. You're not hurting anyone, but just be connected to who you want. And I think we don't owe anyone anything. Like we really don't on Twitter. Like it's Twitter superficial. Yes, there are some like real life connections and friendships that you can create. And, but I don't think, you know, at the end of the day, a lot of it is Twitter and it's nice to have that connection, but people don't owe you like certain opinions and responses and messages and reasons for everything and anything that you do or say. So I just think that was like a lovely tweet that was on the 28th of December, not related to anything in particular. And I was like, I needed to read that at that time. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah. It came at a good time. Yeah. I guess the only people who to, to whom that should that does matter is people with who pay for blue ticks, isn't it? Because they get money for people interacting yeah. and engaging with them. But even then, it's better from their perspective, it's probably better to rage mine people, isn't it? To call us like So this uh, Yeah, so when when Matthew Perry died, which is a really random um reference. <laughs> excuse me. So when Matthew Perry, so Chandler from Friends died, and there was a lot of posts on Twitter about that. And then there was this issue with that. I didn't realize it at the time and someone posted about it. There was an issue with the re- replies under the lot of the tweets from blue tick accounts hmm. who were regurgitating stories about him that were there to farm engagement and anger people. Hmm. So whereas like the tweet, like the wholesome tweet, the original tweet was be about his death and what he's done and what he's achieved these blue tick accounts would rise to the top of the responses and they'd be like some weird AI generated image of Chandler along with this, these stories. And it was really odd. And I thought like, why are these appearing on each one? And then someone pointed out and they looked into it and they said, ultimately by subscribing to Twitter, they get some revenue from their tweets and the amount of retweets and comments and responses. And I thought, oh, that makes sense. Cause these things that are not quite true are then there to shock on these posts about Matthew Perry and I don't know why it was that I noticed it on the most but it made sense to me and I think that's why Twitter has changed because it's just lost a lot of that conversation sometimes you go onto a tweet and the replies the blue ticks all rise to the top and they're not related to anything that the original tweet is about and you have to and sometimes if it's something like educational about work I'm having to like scroll down and find out like what is that x-ray about or whatever. And I think it just makes me realize that's, that's not what I was in Twitter for, if that makes sense. And yeah. I don't know. I mean, but it is interesting with the blue tick kind of stuff. I don't still understand a lot of it, but what I do learn, I just think it's not great. Yeah, fair enough. So I guess we are coming up to time. You did do a tweet, which I, I wonder, you linked a tweet, which makes me think that you must have an interesting answer to this, which is a question by Max J.L. Hardy, what's a really basic thing that you hate being asked to do because it reveals you to be completely incompetent? For me, it's shuffling a deck of cards. Say. Yeah, you I, don't know, I don't know if it's, I, so, I do think I'm dyspraxic. I've always been called clumsy. And whilst I was like a good surgeon, I struggled with like, I'd always look at my mum peeling potatoes and vegetables and it would look so easy. And then when I do it, it's completely cack-handed. I end up with all sorts of cuts on my hand, oh, chunks. And it's just something that I feel like I'm quite a good cook and I really enjoy cooking. But the peeling potatoes and carrots, there's something about it that I just can't. That's such a ridiculous example, but I just can't do oh, it. And I see other people do it and it looks so easy. And I'm just there completely like, how? Like, yeah, how? Yeah, yeah. And then I like, think... so, like people think, oh, that, that girl was a surgeon. Like, how? <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, I reckon, partly to do with the way that peelers are designed, because they're so rudimentary, and I think there there must there must be, like, a the right kind of peeler for you. Have you found that, Yeah, like, the sometimes... right peeler for you. Yeah, literally. Yeah. I found out that can openers. Oh, I have like... found the can opener for me now, like yeah, that. I have some. that. Is it the magic can or something? I feel like I'm not a commission, but it's the one that just sits on top, and you just turn it with ease and... The one I had before was like so laborious. It's yeah, such a exactly. first world problem. You're not all created equal. No. Like, like, so like, that's a good, maybe there's like a, maybe there is a peeler for me. Yeah, that's giving me exactly. hope. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. If there isn't, maybe we can Oh, the other it. thing I couldn't do and I still can't do, and this really bugs me actually, I can't tear tape with my teeth. Oh. You know, when you do sellotape and they, yeah. people like tear off of their teeth and they just put, I just can't do that. Like. What happens? Like it just doesn't break and then it sticks to my lip. Like I don't know. <laughs> it's just like oh. tape. 
<laughs> but, yeah, so if I would, so if you had a piece of tape, but then you bite it and it just doesn't break, it just yeah. gets all a bit mushy and not mushy, but it gets a bit stuck in yeah. your mouth and then on your lip yeah, yeah. and then have to pull off more. Yeah. And I just, I don't know. So I always have a tape dispenser. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, no moustache for me today. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and I, I can't whistle. Like... That's the other thing. I can't whistle to oh, save my life. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Oh my god, they're all coming out now. I know. Jesus. I just. Oh wow. my god, this is like a therapy Anything session. Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. also, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I can't okay. whistle. Whistle can't for whistle. me dinner. Yeah. Anything else? No, I think I'll give you a turn now. Oh, I'm not. I was wondering. The only one I could think of is using the Nintendo Switch. The ones were, or the Wii. You know, we had to do stuff oh. the camera. Because I think I I used to find that really. I think like perceiving like where i'm supposed to be moved because it all seemed like really like surreal and i used to find that really like odd and i guess they also the problem with that is you're often doing it with other people and i think mm. other people watching you and the thing that i used to find really weird and i know that me and joe have talked about this because she does this too you know when you go bowling and you bowl and then you know that everyone's like watching what yes you're, how you do it yeah and then how you walk back and uh, everyone's watching you. Yeah, I think that whole like. I, yeah, and it's and I, I can never make eye contact in those situations. Yeah, and I don't know why, but that's just reminded me of a patient I had today, and I was examining their chest, and I said, "Oh, take some take some deep breaths in and out to your mouth," and they did, and then I said, "Now breathe normally," and they just didn't breathe, and I said, "No, breathe, but just normally," and the guy was like. I'd forgotten. Stop <laughs> looking at me. And I was like, yeah, oh, yeah, no, yeah. I can't breathe I either. It's but that friend. person, like, focusing on you, isn't it? It's yeah, just it's discombobulating. True. It's true. Have you ever had that when I would get this, like, we are walking down the corridor and then, I don't know, suddenly you're like, oh, do I walk funny? And then yes. you're like, how do I walk? I what feel like I hands? sometimes forgot. Yeah, so I have been told that I have got a ridiculous walk sometimes because my hands sometimes don't swing. Like I forget to swing them. Oh, and it's yeah. because I've just suddenly thought about walking too much. Yeah. And it's like, how do I do it? My legs feel like they're then not mine. And then I just don't yeah, know yeah, what yeah. to do. Kind of, and I'm yeah. just like, Boo! Like rubber walking down the street. Oh, like, yeah. Like those signs that they fill yeah. up there. They like kind those of, like, inflatable, <laughs> yeah. Flappy air people, yeah. Nice, nice. But I think that the moral from that is just don't think too much about stuff, isn't it? It always gets you into trouble. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, just go with it. Nobody's really paying that much attention anyway. No. On that note, we wish everyone a happy 2024. And don't be too hard on yourself. This should be the year for self-love, right? Self-love. It should be, yeah. yeah. So I'll just, on, yeah, so I'll get on the bandwagon. And this is just because I love the whole, I can't practice it, but I love the concept of self-compassion. Look it up. There's an amazing TED talk by Kristin Neff, who's the world's biggest researcher on self-compassion. And she talks about how it's just all about like connection and understanding that we're imperfect human beings. And actually there is some connection in that we are all imperfect human beings. So yeah. just have, just go a bit easier on yourself. I think it's not permission just to do what you want. Yeah. But it's just like, okay, I'm not the worst person in the world. Other people make mistakes too. It's okay. Yeah. But good. yeah, self-love, man. Oh, we've got Always. all hippie-ish. I love it. One love. Really... One love. One love. One it's team. So yeah, exactly. Oh, be kind. Oh, yeah, God. be kind. Oh, yeah. Seeing like as we've been time. accused of saying that all the time, although I can't yeah, remember yeah. the last time we did say it. But yeah, be right. kind, man. Right. Let's finish week. now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's on next week. Bye. Take care. Bye-bye.